Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to please leave us a five-star review. Thank you very much, as always, to Nicole Thompson for the wonderful introduction and to our guy, Mike Regina, with the great intro music. So, a guy who needs no introduction, though, but I'm going to do it anyway. Let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT Jimmy Thompson. How are you feeling today? I think you should change that to a guy that you just don't want to introduce. Like, I don't. I, I, that's how I feel. It's not like every time. It's not like, oh, like he needs no introduction. It's like, I really just don't want to talk about this guy, but I guess I have to because his name's on the show, too. And you just can't sit up here for an hour and talk to yourself. I mean, you could, but nobody would listen. Right. Listen, I love doing monologues, so it, it's fine with me. Ain't that I, the truth? We're going to see a bunch of those today. I wonder who, why is it always in the script that everyone's favorite JT? Like you put it, you write the script. I didn't poll, write this. Was a poll done on that? Like to figure that out from the fans? I'll tell you what we'll do because clearly this is a trap question. You wrote this, so you say it every week. I have no say in the intro. But if you want to see who everyone's favorite is, we'll just we'll just ask people. We'll we'll start asking in our posts and stuff like that, and we'll see what the response is. Would that make you happy? Ah, that's all right. Let's leave it like that. It's, yeah, it's yeah, he don't want that pressure. I, I don't want to have to change the script or to find out the truth. So, are you ready though? For the for the truth, yeah. Come on. No, get for, a whole the, bunch of truth for the today. show. No, yeah, for the a lot show. to talk about for the show. All right. So the 49ers, let's start with the Sunday night game from this past weekend. The 49ers lost basically a defensive battle in Denver. Uh, what was it? 11 to 10. Kyle Shanahan's offense has been less than stellar to start the season through the first three games. So JT, let's start this show off with a JT type of question with the success of Sean McVay. Matt LaFleur and Mike McDaniel, should we start questioning Kyle Shanahan as being dubbed that elite coach or an offensive genius? Well, first of all, I don't know if I'd call the the game on Sunday night a defensive battle. It was more of just the offense just couldn't do anything. <laughs> I don't think any defense was super was, impressive. It was trying to be nice. Yeah, and I think the betters in Vegas, like, they had to be pissed. Like, nobody would bet a line like that. But – and the uh, under, right? I mean, man, the under had to easily hit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Offensive genius. Like, that's the part of that question that really kind of got me because, admittedly, you know how I am. I've always been a Kyle Shanahan fan. I've been a fan of him, like, every step of the way. I thought he did th- good things in Cleveland. I thought he did good things in D.C. Atlanta obviously speaks for itself with going to the Super Bowl and then took the 49ers to a Super Bowl. But I do think it's time that we have to start questioning him, not only as an elite coach, but as an offensive genius for the reason that you said. We're seeing who's coming off of his tree and, you know, how successful they are right away. I mean, McVay, we know the story. 
LaFleur has been winning games up in Green Bay. It feels like every year they got home field advantage since she's been there. And then Mike McDaniel is the one that's really standing out to me because everyone that talks about him around the league is just saying he's this absolute genius. And they're saying that he's been that way as long as he's been a part of the Shanahan staff. Like even back in Cleveland, when I think he was like wide receivers coach or something like that, like every place that he's gone with Shanahan, everyone says he's a genius. So we know what they say about McVay. LaFleur speaks for itself. And now McDa- uh, Mike McDaniel is a genius. How much of it is, is Kyle Shanahan a genius amongst other geniuses? Or is he just like one of those really good bosses that's good at hiring really talented people and just managing them? And I think that's where we got to start looking. I mean, he has a losing record in San Francisco, what, 40 and 44. And you got to start also looking at how he's performed in situations where the pressure has been solely been on him. I'm looking at those two Super Bowls. He's blown it. Like the Atlanta one was inexcusable, up 28 to three, letting the Patriots come back. And then the, the Chiefs one, I just thought he mismanaged that completely. And I think also I start to look at his scheme, you know, He's ruined some young potential franchise quarterbacks, RG3, uh, Trey Lance as of late. And I just think that he hasn't evolved the scheme the way I thought he would based on where the NFL is going. It's like, I don't know what he has against putting a mobile quarterback in his scheme where like that's where the NFL is going with like Josh Allen and the Jalen Hurts of the world. You know, he still prefers like the Kirk Cousins, Jimmy G type. So I don't know if I can really call him a genius, whether as. Maybe he just aged out and, you know, the NFL has caught up to him and maybe he never was a genius. But I'm just going to say that based on, you know, also how those other coaches have performed and I can see the intelligence in their schemes. I'm going to say, yeah, like we have to start questioning him because if his name wasn't Shanahan, I feel that we would have really had this conversation after Super Bowl 51. So two things there. One, I think and I, I think most people would agree in football, the word genius gets thrown around pretty loosely. So one, that would be one thing that we need to pump the brakes on. And I'm going to use pump the brakes a lot. This phrase pump the brakes a lot this episode, I feel like. So that's one Two, pump the brakes on starting the question, Kyle Shanahan, because, you know, you just said he doesn't like to use the mobile quarterback. But I mean, did he not start Trey Lance translate Trey Lance? just happened to get injured if not Trey Lance would still be in there can I can I just say something really quick about the Trey Lance thing that is a good point but the only thing that I'm gonna push back on a little bit is there's always been that rumor of a rift between him and John Lynch of which one of them really wanted Trey Lance and we don't know which one that is and I'm like yeah it, it could have been Shanahan but I'm starting to think maybe it was Lynch and I'm just looking at that because I'm just looking at the way Shanahan was using him. And I'm like, I'm not surprised he got hurt. Like, why are you running like quarterback power plays with the guy that's built like Trey Lance? He's not Josh Allen. Like you, why, why not just run the same scheme that Jimmy G really runs? Because it's just, it's a passing scheme still, but it's like, okay, if things break down, he just has the athletic ability as, you know, an extra thing to get loose in case things don't work out. So well, I'm starting he, to think he didn't want Lance. He has the wide. I mean, his offensive scheme is the wide zone, right? And he, maybe he feels that Jimmy G can't run all of the plays out of it, whereas Trey Lance can, and that's why he's going with whatever it may be, QB power, things that he knows that Jimmy G is going to maybe get two yards and maybe get hurt, whereas Trey Lance, yes, there's always the risk of injury, but Trey Lance maybe can get 12 yards in a first down or take it to the house. So. 
Um, I got to defend Shanahan there. And I also have to defend Shanahan in terms of pump the brakes on, oh, let's start questioning him, you know, as a good coach. Listen, he definitely helped that Atlanta offense, okay? And I'm with you. I think a lot of it, a lot of that loss fell on his shoulders, but Quinn's the head coach there. So in that 49ers game, if Jimmy G, well, I'll go back to it forever. He hits, who was that, Emmanuel Sanders? He hit Sanders in stride. No, talk talking about before the half, Kittle. No, 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 at the end of the game in that fourth quarter, oh, okay. Jimmy yeah, G, yeah. Jimmy G, right? He had that deep bomb. I think it was a post from Sanders overthrew him. He hits him in stride. He scores games over, basically, in the fourth quarter. And now we're talking about Shanahan and Jimmy G on a different level, myself included. So there, I, I you know, I don't want to, I don't want to criticize him too much, but I think we've got to also pump the brakes on guys like Lafleur and McDaniel, saying that those guys are geniuses and elite coaches over Shanahan because Lafleur's never been to a Super Bowl as far as being a head coach, and in fact, he lost last year to Shanahan at Lambeau Field in January, okay, to a California team led by Shanahan. And then listen, I think you've come around on McDaniel. I've been telling you about him, but let's pump the brakes on him too. He's three games into his NFL career. I mean, I'm sure we can go back to a lot of coaches throughout history through the first three games thinking, let's put him in the Hall of Fame. It seems like everyone Dan was Campbell, to- when he was interim head coach, yeah. did he win like five straight games? Yeah, everyone wants to put McDaniel in the Hall of Fame already. And it's like, you've got a long way to go, man. There's a bright future for you, but you've got to stay the course. Like Shanahan and McVeigh have proven it now over several seasons. So I would say we don't need to start questioning Shanahan. Maybe there can be some doubt brewing, but it's not because of what LaFleur and McDaniel have done. So you're saying his struggles have nothing to do with the subtraction from his staff and, you know, those guys really being kind of the wizard behind the curtain is just, you know, He's just going through natural struggles, regardless of who would, would have been on his staff. That's what you're saying. Well, yes and no. But I think I looked at it as you saying, hey, has the success of LaFleur and McDaniel on their own? Should we yeah. start questioning Shanahan? Now? Yeah, because do we start questioning having him? Success without him. And a lot of people thought, well, McDaniel wasn't even calling the play. So all I'm saying is he probably should have been calling the plays. <laughs> all I'm saying is they're going to find a bumpy road at some point, too. So. Let's not just devalue Shanahan because now McDaniel's had three good games as a head coach somewhere. That's what real I'm quick, trying to say. Real quick question before we talk about the Broncos. If because they already has one. If McDaniel gets a Super Bowl before Shanahan does, does your opinion change a little bit? I, of course. I think it's got to. Listen, I've always said I don't or, judge. Or I don't, if LaFleur, like if one of those yeah. two that hasn't hasn't got one, they get one before Shanahan gets gets one. Yes, at that moment, yes. It doesn't mean that Shanahan can never recoup and win a Super Bowl. And then, you know, but to start questioning, sure, if those guys win before him, sure. The reason why I've always said I don't always um, rank players based on Super Bowl rings, right? I think that is an individual. One of your biggest arguments in all sports. Yeah, that is championships don't matter. Yeah, that's it. Well, they matter to as an extent, a team, to an extent. right? They matter as a team, but we're talking about greatest of all time. I mean, you're not going to put Trent Dilfer and Nick Foles in a conversation with Dan Marino, right? It's just not going to happen. So, but with coaches, you've got to. 
And I understand the Brian Billicks of the world will get one and Doug Peterson will get one. But you know what? For that year, they did a one heck of a job. What can I say? You know? All right. I can live with that. So let's talk about the team on the other side of that terrible Sunday night game. They really need to do a better job of flexing these like these primetime games because some of these. JT, I mean, that was a big build. I'm I'm, I'm not saying this specific one, but like, you know, it's like some of these games that have been on the slate. Like, I'm not trying to see the Giants play the Cowboys on Monday night. Like, I know it's supposed to be, you know, the prestige. It's always been Monday night. The team is not good. The team is not good. Monday night, the Pat over for a over a decade now, a lot of teams on Monday night haven't even made the playoffs. So. Like this Thursday night game between the Dolphins and the Bengals, that should be a Sunday night game or a Monday night game. Like that needs to be primetime, not Thursday. But I digress. Broncos, we'll talk about them. So we know how, somehow, somehow the Broncos are 2-1. and one. I don't know how, but most Defense. of the pieces, Defense wins championships. Don't forget. Bradley Chubb, your guy. The Mike, guy Mc, you said Mike McDaniel, if you're listening, I know you listen because you like JT. Both, both, uh, well, JT, a former Miami guy. Mike McDaniel, defense wins championships. Don't forget. Ooh, speaking of that. So we're going to go right to it. Head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. He's struggled. Like, I feel like he struggled to find a rhythm on offense, and you see it's translating to Russ's performance. Now, who do you think is more to blame for the slow start in Denver, Russ or Hackett? I'll, I never like when you make us pick someone to blame. So if I have to pick someone to blame, I'm going to go hack it simply because the history of the two guys, Russell Wilson has shown he can do it and he's done it really well for quite a long time. Now hack it last job in green Bay. And I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers was pretty good before Hackett took over there. So you know, Andy had Devontae Adams, and he had an offensive-minded coach in LaFleur, meaning Hackett. So I'm going to go that this rocky start has got to fall more on Hackett because of just the history of the two guys and what they've done. And I will also say this, JT, if the Broncos' running game was, like, just exploding out the roof, the scheme was unbelievable – our guy, Javante Williams, is running for 200 yards a game, which we would both love and we needed fantasy. If that was a happening, I would say, well, then it's on Russ. You know, how is the play action not working? Are you missing guys? But because the the running game's in the middle of the pack, I've got to believe either you're not committing enough to the run or it just falls on you as OC that your offense is not as good as everyone was hoping. And what did I tell you, JT, when they made this hire? Or I should say, you know, we talked about the new hire coaches. I said, you said, who's going to struggle the most? And I said, I think it's going to be him. I, I just, I had a feeling it would be him. And so far, it's been, um, it seems to be that it's it's Hackett that's struggling the most. I'll give you props for that. You you were the first one to say no. And I think I was contingent at the time on if they got Aaron Rodgers or not. And that was how I was going to grade it. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's it's Hackett. And, like, for all the reasons you said, like, Russ, we know what he's about. We've seen him do it. But Hackett just being just so underprepared and overwhelmed, like, it's clear that he doesn't know what he's doing. And you already see it. Like, he's already 
hiring guys to kind of take more of the load off of him as a head coach. And it's like, this is what you signed up for. Like they brought you in to be the guy. And I said it back. I said it back then when we ranked the coaches, when they were hired, I'm going to say it again. Like, I think they only hired him as a way to get Aaron Rodgers to come to Denver. And once that didn't work out, you see what you get. And it's like, you call plays for a hall of fame quarterback. So how valuable really were you? Like, is Aaron calling the plays or are you calling the plays? Like, I know everybody wants to say like, oh, well, look at him as the Jacksonville OC, what, back in 2015. Yeah, but go look at a lot of those games. A lot of those stats that were put up were in garbage time. Like Jacksonville was getting blown off the field in in that season. So, and I look at Hackett, I'm just going to be blunt. He is just another coach that simply proves this. Just because you are buddies with the franchise quarterback doesn't mean you're going to be a good head coach. And you see that happening a lot around the league. Frank Reich, your guy, supposed to be a great quarterback guy with Carson Wentz, didn't work out. He's not doing his job as a head coach. Kingsbury, uh, Josh McDaniel, shoot, you can go back to even like Matt Nagy. Like they've all proven that point. Like quarterback coach, OC, just because Aaron Rodgers likes you doesn't mean that you're ready to lead an entire franchise. And I think that's what's going on. He's way out uh, over his skis. He's in over his head. He does not know what's going on. And to make matters worse, it's amplified because the franchise just turned everything over to a guy like Russell Wilson, who we know can play championship football. So if you can't make it work with Russ in a division where defenses probably aren't that great, they're not living up to the hype, I'm sorry. It's got to be you. Like, I'm going to blame you 10 times out of 10. Well, what happened at the end of that Seattle game, right? I mean, I, I thought he mismanaged that, correct? I mean, he he goes for was it he goes 64 for the, yards. Yeah, he goes for the 64 yarder. But I thought I mean, where, in fairness, it is McManus. If anybody could make no, it no, to Justin Tucker. I thought where he mismanaged it was I think they had all three timeouts. And instead of instead of kicking it with a minute, even if he misses, they can get a three and out because they'd have three timeouts. They let it run down to 20 seconds. Then he calls a timeout. So if he misses it now, you have no backup plan. Game is over. Whereas they let 40 seconds run off. If you call it at a minute with three time, not call a timeout, but if you kick it like somewhat soon, even if there's 50 seconds left, you call three timeouts, you could get the ball back with 30 seconds and Russ. And you know, so so I thought he mismanaged that. I didn't question the field goal as much as, how they got to running the clock down. Yeah, it was just poor clock management. And also, I don't know about you, because I've never been a coach before, but if I'm in that situation, look, you know who's under the most pressure in this entire organization? It's a guy that just paid $235 million. So guess what? I'm going to put it in his hands. And guess what? If Russ doesn't get it done, guess who they're going to blame? They're going to blame Russ. They're not going to blame the rookie head coach who put the game in his billion-dollar quarterback's hands. So Good point. I, I, that's what tells me he's really nervous. I think he really doesn't know what to do as a head coach because it's different. It's different when all you have to do is worry about managing Aaron Rodgers and his his you know set of issues, and now you got to manage like five Aaron Rodgers on the team and then you know 50 other guys. So, yeah, I think it's – it's clear he's overmatched and it's like seeping down into the performance. Like they don't know what they're doing on offense. I don't know what their identity is. Like how the hell you can't get Russ, Javante Williams and Cortland Sutton going like that's just baffling to me. Yeah. 
Yep. So let's switch over to some basketball, JT, and the NBA, the biggest basketball headline recently and, and maybe during the offseason at this point has been the Boston Celtics and their head coach, Ime Udoka. He was suspended by the Boston Celtics for the whole 2022-23 season after he was reportedly involved in a consensual but improper relationship with a woman um, on the team's staff. So a couple questions here, JT. First one, was it surprising that this um, came to light and that he was suspended then instead of fired? Yeah, absolutely. It was surprising because you assume if it's as bad as they're making us think it is that he should be fired. And I don't get it because if you weren't going to fire him, like why even bring this up at all? You know, why release this story, first of all? And then why release this story without all the facts? Because we don't know what's going on. So it's just leading to this, you know, rampant speculation. There's rumors flying. Like, I don't know who he's involved with, like, is he involved with, you know, the VP of player development? Is he involved with like the VP of finances wife? You know, there's just so many different theories that are out there and nobody knows. Like, all we know is that he had an inappropriate relationship that was consensual, but now it's not consensual, you know, with somebody on the staff. And I just don't know what to think. So I'll break it down this way. This is just my opinion. If it's consensual, most teams, let's be honest, would cover it up. Like, this is something that is known. Like, infidelity runs rampant at all high levels of sports. And not even just sports. Like, you go to any corporate America atmosphere, and the higher-ups, the bosses, like, you're going to find people that are, you know, cheating on their spouses. You're going to find people that are sleeping or dating with employees. And let's be honest, like, if you worked in the corporate world, like, it's not exactly hidden. Like, it's everywhere. So the year-long suspension is really what worries me because you tell me if I'm wrong, it kind of feels like a self-imposed sanction. You know, like when you know you've done something wrong, you're like, I'm going to get ahead of the curve. Good, good analogy. Yeah, yeah, we're going to take care of it. And like the Celtics preemptively made a move. Like, hey, like we're going to suspend them for a year, depending on what comes out, out of sight, out of mind. And I want to make sure that this situation is about we're suspending him because he did something that was wrong and totally inappropriate and against what we consider rules in our organization, rather than I want to make sure that this is not a retaliation because he slept with the wrong person's partner. And I'll leave it at this. Usually when you get quotes like, we don't have the information, but it's much worse than you know, Usually that means like a bombshell is eventually going to come to where like, oh, we understand why they made so much, you know, commotion about the situation. So that's what I'm holding out for. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, because like I said, usually when they hint at it's usually a bigger problem. Most times they're right about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it maybe was a little surprising um, that that it came out. Um, it, am I surprised or. Am I surprised that he was suspended instead of fired? No, because he did such a good job last year. Let's face it. If he was below 500, would he still be the Boston Celtics coach going into next season? I don't think so. 
I think he did. I mean, he got to the NBA finals and I think not even Brad Stevens could do that, JT. So I think they realized like, holy smokes, we got something here. Maybe we need to investigate this further or at least don't make a a such a rash decision without either having all of the info or maybe in a year things will settle down. I'm not saying that's the right thing, but that's why I'm saying I'm not quite surprised that or I'm not surprised that he still is technically the head coach going into 23-24. Now that could change though. So, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But I think this is the reason I was I was doing some more research and I think this is why it came out. I think this is why he suspended. Listen, there's a lot of theories out there. We've heard it like you mentioned did he did he just did he have a relationship with the wrong person meaning a you know, a married woman? Was it a married woman who um, has a important, significant other? Correct. It, within the organization, in a so, high position. So, here, so position. Here's, the, here's the crazy thing well, about that is the, again, those are all rumors. I, I'm I'm not out of I'm not saying I'm buying any of those. I'm just saying you that know what, you know what? it's our show. We we can buy whatever we want. No, it's our I, money. I'm not. I'm not because so I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you why I'm going to speak. I'm going to be speaking really out. quick. Out of all the out of all the theories that I've heard, the one that makes sense the most to me about this situation is one. Um, I heard a story about I think one of these higher ups' wives uh, was caught talking about the situation on a ring cam at her home. So I think that is what started the investigation. And I've also heard a rumor that he might have been involved with multiple higher-ups wives, and that's why this is serious. So I can believe that. Like, if you were to give me the headline, it's much worse than when you than what you think. The worst headline that I can think of for a championship team like the Celtics is our championship coach is sleeping with like two or three of our higher ups wives at the same time. Like that would be the absolute worst look like for a headline that an NBA team probably has ever had. Well, I wouldn't say that. Well, they've ever had. anything I mean, short of obviously Donald Sterling in the sun situation, but I'm saying like, as far as like media optics, like that will never go away. I don't know about that either, but I think this is why he was suspended. So again, I don't know whatever JT said. I don't know if those are rumors. I don't know if we'll ever find out exactly. You're right. You're right. Exactly what it is. I'm just telling you what what I've heard. But the athletics, um, and I apologize if I get the name wrong, but Shams Charania reported that um, Ime made, and I quote here, unwanted comments towards the women towards the woman involved in the situation, which sparked the investigation. So again, we've seen everything that's been going on within sports, you know, the sexual harassment stuff. We've seen it with Sarver. We've seen it with Daniel Snyder. So they may have said, you know what, if it was just consensual, that would have been one thing, but now he's possibly leaning toward that sexual harassment part. And we're going to nip it in the bud. Now we're going to do an open investigation. We're going to try to find out as much info and then go from there, which was the suspension. And again, I think he was not fired because of his success on the court. Yeah, absolutely. If this was like Steve Cliff Clifford or Borrego, like he would be fired. Like no doubt about it. That's a good point. I, I believe that. So, 
now looking at the Celtics as a team going into this season, what does it mean for the Celtics? Um, I think it means they'll be tested, you know, both on the court and with distractions from the media. You know, it's like the Philly situation last year with Ben Simmons, you know, and I look at Jason Tatum. Like if Jason Tatum can do what Joel Embiid did and block out everything, like you said, like what Embiid did was so impressive with blocking out the noise and putting the team on his back and Philly having success. Like if Jason Tatum could do that, I think they'll be fine. Um, I want to make sure I pronounce his name right. Uh, Joe Mazzula, the guy that they were tabbed as the interim head coach. Yep. I think he could be good. And like he's been with the team since, what, 2019? And he knows the guys in the locker room, so they're familiar with him. They're even reaching out to other organizations to see if they can you know, bring in some additional help for him that's familiar. And the main reason why I think they'll be okay from the coaching and the on-court standpoint is – you got to think when Ime was hired, he was really an improving commodity. So I got to trust that Brad Stevens and the Celtics front office, they're good at what they're doing as far as evaluating coaches that have X's and O talent and getting them on the staff. So I think that they know what they're doing. They do their homework when they hire these guys. And I think Missoula will be, you know, the next guy up. And I think he'll do just fine. So, I mean, this is this is the thing, and I and I've told you this before that it's hard, man. It it is hard to be a first time coach, head coach, in a situation where you're expected to win with such a history as the Celtics, right? And He's only 34 years old. Nothing wrong with that, right? Mike Tomlin had a lot of success, right? We're seeing Mike McDaniel, Sean McVay. But again, he is stepping into a situation where he may not have been ready at the moment, right? It's not like he was just being hired, had interviews, right? He, he's being basically moved into that spot. And he's replacing a guy for at least a year that had a lot of success. So, Nothing against him. I just think that's a difficult situation to be put in. And I don't know. I'm like, maybe he is ready for it. I don't know. But these are the two things that I think are going to hurt the Celtics. And I think it's going to wreck them in terms of what their goals and aspiration were for this season. All right. One, it's tough to replace a coach like that when he pretty much outcoached all the guys in the Eastern Conference getting to the finals and they hung around with the Warriors. So I think a lot of people didn't think that could, that could be possible the way Steph Curry was playing. So that's one, it's hard to replace it. Ime the way he's been coaching, but then two comes out today. I believe that Marcus Smart's going to be missing JT. So now you're missing possibly the defensive player of the year. All right. Yes. You still got Tatum. What you still got Jalen Brown, but losing Marcus Smart, even though Tatum's the superstar, Marcus Smart is the heart of that team. He's the glue. So now you've lost your head coach. You've lost your glue. We don't know the exact reason why your coach was suspended or if he'll come back next year. And you have these goals to, to win the title. Man, I just think that this whole situation, it's just one of those things. You have this bad feeling that this season's gone for the Celtics. Uh, for Celtic fans, I'm sorry to say that. I don't think you or I are anywhere near a Celtic fan. But, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But 
for Celtics fans, but you hate to see a team a team's chances to win a championship sabotaged by something that's not on the court. I I understand, but it doesn't matter. You asked, what does this mean for them? And I'm telling you, between that and the Marcus Smart injury, because and and even throwing Robert Williams out for six to eight weeks with a knee injury. There's another thing. So maybe they'll be back in time and get geared up for the playoffs, but I I, I just don't like it's on that, Tatum. right? Like it's on Tatum. That's that's why I said if Tatum can because everybody's saying he's a superstar. Like I just look at what Joel and B did last year. I'm not saying they're the same things, but the Ben Simmons distraction is almost at the same level as the Eme distraction because like Ben Simmons. Like that was not going away. Like the EMA thing's not going away. And Embiid, what did he do? He's like, all right, cool. I'll just play at an MVP level. And that worked because when the best player plays like a top player, and he's like, we're not ta- we're not paying attention to the noise. We're just gonna play. I think that helps you get over the distraction. So I agree with you. Like, there's a lot of obstacles in the way, and like this season could be lost. But if Tatum becomes the player that everybody swears he is and i think it's going to make it a lot harder for them to to fall apart this year well yes but this is the other thing again without robert williams without marcus smart can they do it two years in a row where they hit january 1st and they go on this incredible run jt that's tough to do last year was such last year for them was such a perfect season everything falling into place Philly being somewhat of a disaster, the Nets being a Brooklyn disaster. Brooklyn being a, a like, time bomb. Yeah, like you think that's going to happen two years in a row? I mean, the Brooklyn have, time bomb. And you don't have your leader. Like this is the other thing, JT. If they get off to a rough start, it isn't like last year where they knew, all right, this guy's our head coach. We got to figure it out. This isn't their head coach possibly in the future. They can lose respect real quick for him. Mm. And you know, think, this isn't I a think... veteran coach. They'd be like, holy smokes, this guy's got two rings or, oh, my goodness, he coached LeBron James. Like, there's none of that. Yeah, I think think that's a possibility, but I think it helps, like I said, that he's been there for a while. And then that's why they're also bringing in some older, like, assistant guys that are respected around the league. Like, I think I think I just trust Boston's front office. Like, they know they have a a bomb that just blew up. So they're just doing their best to kind of, you know, correct things so they can at least have a season. So I trust them. Okay. So. We've been talking about the future of Ime then. So do you think he coaches again in Boston or does he does he ever become a head coach ever again if he doesn't stick with Boston? No, he's done in the NBA. And in any industry, this is the rule. If you piss off the wrong rich person, you're blackballed for life. And I'm going back to if he indeed had an improper relationship or he's accused of sexual harassment with any anybody who's an executive's executive significant other then that is the nail in his career coffin he is done i'm i'm gonna go i'm gonna go the opposite i don't know if he coaches in boston again um i think it, this is what i think in terms of the boston situation I think, JT, it depends on how they do this season. If Joe Missoula takes them to the playoffs as a one or two seed, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals or back to the NBA Finals, they're probably like, we don't need even. It's a system thing. We've got it all figured out, and he's gone. So I think the Boston question is relying on how they do this year without him. Now, to ever coach again, like I said, I think he did – he did too well. He did too good of a job not to get another look from someone. You know, 
Maybe it eventually is like Orlando, or maybe it's eventually like the Minnesota Timberwolves if they can't figure Look it out with this. Trying one. to speak an Ime trade into existence. <laughs> you want him to coach or, the Magic so bad. Or or like in Minnesota, or a place where they have young talent, couldn't win with like one Charlotte coach. or something. Charlotte, maybe Memphis. Like yeah. I know, I know they have a great coach there, but like who knows? Maybe is it eventually Phoenix at some point? I don't or know. The I'm, Lakers. I'm just saying, or the Lakers, like. I'm just saying that people do end up having short-term memories in situations like when this. When it comes to talent. as When it comes to talent and as long as it's not something like absolutely illegal. Now, if it comes out that there's like sexual harassment suits and this and that, then everything I just said is off the table in terms of him coaching in the NBA again as a head coach. But outside of the legal stuff, I think he would get another shot. Again, what I went back to say and what you've said, it's the talent of him as a coach. Do you think there's a chance at all that if Missoula struggles, Brad Stevens comes down and takes over as the coach? So when you were talking about them bringing in veteran assistants and this and that, and I said, don't forget about Brad Stevens. Pat Riley did it. Pat Riley did it, what, in 06, so... Cause you you see the Stevens interview, he looks pissed, and he's yeah. like, "Yes, I'm gonna have to come down and, and fix this mess as a coach." I, that's that's the that's the feeling I took away when I looked at his face that he was as he was giving that interview. He was pissed and disappointed, but he's like, "I built this damn thing to run without me having to be down yeah. there, and now I might have to go back down well, there again." Well, I also thought he was really pissed because of you know, everything that was being said, but then to the look that it has on the organization, he is now yeah. kind of the face of like, he's the face, he's the, the face yeah, of a loose ship. He's the head of, he's the head of it. So it looks bad on him. And like you said, he thought he built something strong here. And apparently maybe they made the wrong decision in who they hired now. Yeah, man. I mean, hopefully we find out more about this email thing. This is really, this is really interesting to me because it could go in so many different ways, but uh, let's transition to something that I'm pretty sure both of us are and, already and, pissed. And, by, and just to clarify something, and by the way, we're not saying that it's right that if he has, you know, said unwanted comments that he should get another chance because of his skill set and talent as a head coach. We're just saying, or I'm just saying that. No, we're both saying it. it. It's, it's you know, history has shown that throughout not just the NBA, but all sports leagues, un- yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If he if he's done something wrong, we're we're all on board with him being fired. So we just want to know what happened. That's it. You're I I know this is gonna piss you off. But we gotta next, talk about the it. Next topic. Yeah, let's we gotta go. talk about this anyway. Let's go. I feel like you've been pissed about this for what like four days now? Yeah, coming up on five now. Yeah. So you haven't shut up about it any of our group chats. Um you, hey, you, I'm taking receipts, I'm you, taking bulletin board material. Been, I'm gonna cash been belligerent. Those. I'm gonna cash those at some point. You be been belligerent to the point where I think I should have to mute you. So of course we're talking about the Miami Hurricanes football team. So if you don't know, we got embarrassed in a home loss. Don calls this the worst loss in program history. Middle Tennessee State. Did I they, say that? Did I did. say that? I don't you know did. if you, I said that. You specifically said no coach has lost to a team like this. I still think the worst loss in our program history is the uh, the title game to Ohio State, or no, think, or the eighty seven, or the eighty seven Fiesta Bowl against Penn State. 
that that Ohio State title game hurts the most, but you said that this is the worst. So Middle Tennessee State. I did State, not say it's the worst. You go back to the 87 Fiesta Bowl, we dominated Penn State for a national title and lost because of five turnovers. That may have been the worst one because we destroyed that team. So he's come around. He's calm now. So that's good. <laughs> uh middle tennessee state beat us 45 to 31 at home uh to be honest with you it never really felt like a close game anytime we did something they did something more um real question we're gonna we're gonna ask a few things so we haven't really delved into the canes yet but this is a good time to do so first let's start with uh mario cristobal um should fans be concerned with the start to his era in miami so far I told you the theme of the show, pump, pump the brakes. All right. Pump the brakes. Don't, don't go off the, the deep end here. All right. They should not necessarily be concerned with the future of the program. The one thing I would be concerned about is we lose that AM game. All right. I think a game that we should have won. And then we get we have a get right game at home with Middle Tennessee State, and we don't get it right. We don't get right. And I thought these were the games and these were the situations that Mario was brought in to fix to, to avoid having one loss turn into two. We've seen it a ton when we would lose to Florida State. We'd lose two, three games to end the season. I thought he was supposed to fix this stuff. I thought he was supposed to fix tackling, discipline, right? And games like this. And I've told you this. I don't ever remember Al Golden losing to a middle Tennessee state. I don't remember Manny Diaz losing to a middle Tennessee state. I don't remember Randy Shanahan losing to a middle Tennessee state. If he did, meaning Randy Shanahan, that's over 14 years ago. And we're going backwards. So, Randy Shannon, not Randy Shanahan. Don't, don't call it. Don't <laughs> oh, call Randy fault. Shanahan. He was, he we talked about Shanahan all for the open. He deserved to wear that last. Sorry. Game. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Randy Shannon. Sorry, Randy Shannon. So are we going backwards, man? I hope not. But I still think the future can be bright here. And I know Cristobal took some some abuse for the A&M game and how he coached it. But I still believe that with the facilities, with everything we have, he can still turn it around. So no need to panic yet. Even this first year, it's a wash. It always is. I mean, you look at what Florida State's doing, JT. They seem to have turned it around. But two years ago, Miami beat them 52 to 10. You don't think Florida State fans wanted Mike Norvell gone after 52 to 10 to your rival? So, you know, again, probably someone in Florida State was saying, hey, relax. Like, this guy's going to turn it around. And now, and now, now they're reaping, you know, they're reaping that patience. Yeah, they look legit. Um, I'm really surprised because this is not the tune you've been singing in our group chats. Like, hey, this be guy, positive. I, I'm sick of I'm sick of want, bad you vibes. Manny, you want Manny Diaz and Al Golden to come back as an no, assistant? Like that? No. That's how much of a panic and how mad you were. Hey, listen. After what Middle Tennessee State did to us, you couldn't say right now that you would I not. Can. Sorry, whatever, sorry whatever about, ridiculousness you're gonna say, I can't say. You're telling me right now that bro, you bro, wouldn't mind having Manny bro, don't, Diaz as defensive don't, don't coordinator? Do this, don't do this. As DC Manny Diaz? No, after what, what happened no, to Kevin Steele's no, defense? No. Oh, my God. What game were you watching? He what loves Manny Diaz. He loves Manny Diaz to the point where he will bring him back in any capacity. Like, can he be the equipment manager? Yeah, bring Manny Diaz back. So, I, you know how I feel about this. No. And you knew when Crystal Ball came in that this was going to take time. And – I don't understand why people aren't surprised. Like 
these are the same players that we had last year. Like these guys weren't good last year and they still are doing the same things. Poorly, not they, supposed to fix that. You've been telling me. Let me I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. We're going to tackle like, better. I feel like the issues that we had last year and under Manny, those aren't things that you can necessarily coach. So I'm talking about tackling. Like, if you can't tackle, you can't tackle, no matter how much you scheme it up. All these guys defensive, can ta- No, all these guys at this speed, level can tackle. Defensive team speed on the edge, like, the guys are just slow. And then the biggest problem, I think, with the team is, just on the field IQ when you see it. So that's a player problem, not necessarily a coaching problem. And I think the fact that Cristobal is there, he's masking some of these things. I think that's one of the main reasons we were able to stay in the AM game after an on-field IQ blunder by Tyreek Stevenson, who used to be my guy, but I want him gone. But <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard you admit that that was your guy yeah, and I, that you made a mistake. Because I was excited we got a transfer from Georgia. I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. And I found out why he left Georgia, because he would never play at Georgia. Like, Kirby Smart would play before he played, and Kirby could do it. But main reason why I think that you should not be concerned about the crystal ball era is this is what happens when you have multiple unsuccessful regimes so you want to talk about randy shanahan al golden and manny diaz like those are three back-to-back-to-back unsuccessful you know coach- but that's not true coach- you, had, you had mark rick let, let me fin- let me, you had mark I mean, rick in yeah mark rick but it was like i don't even really count him because it's like he really didn't stay long enough to really like put his imprint on the program like he did well managing them but it's really those three guys that have defined us for the past what 20 years so it's though it's those three guys so, well, 15, let's say a decade, 15, decade, 15, 15 years. years. Yeah. But it's really those three guys and all three of those guys failed. So this is what you should have expected. But here's the thing. While the main reason also why I'm not worried, Crystal Ball has shown me he's going to do exactly what I expected him to do. He's going to recruit. He's going to get better play out of the old line. And we're going to have mental toughness. And we've seen all of those things so far since he's been in Miami. We're getting recruits, and that's going to continue. You say it every week. Our O-line is – I haven't seen them play like this in years. And we're mentally tough. Like, even in the game where Middle Tennessee State was beating us, if Manny Diaz or Al Golden was the coach, you probably don't even score 31 points. Like, it's probably over after Van Dyke throws that pick six to the lineman. So, he's mentally keeping us in game. So, I like that. My only concern with Cristobal so far is – there's always that rumor that follow him follows him around about he's a quarterback killer. And I don't that's the only one I'm not 100 percent shaking yet. It's starting to creep up on him again because I see the Oregon fans going crazy on social media every week. Like, oh, we're so glad he's gone We're gl- Miami. Enjoy him. This is what he did in Oregon. Like he ruined Justin Herbert. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about. because We're going to talk about we're going to talk about TVD. So. That's the only thing that I'm a little hesitant on. But everything else, like, it's right on brand. Like, he's doing exactly what I expected. I just know it takes time. But quarterback killer rumors, let's go to our guy. Thought he was a first-round pick. We thought he was the franchise quarterback. Van Dyke, like, what's wrong with him? Like, he he got benched in this game. He's played terrible. What's going on with him? I want to go back to your comment about QB, that Cristobal's QB killer real quick. I don't understand how he can be a QB killer when he's not the offense coordinator. He's not calling plays. He's not I, setting I it up. I agree with you, so, but, but that but I, that I don't is, know where that's going on social media. That is the narrative. It. I saw it. that, that yeah. he is he's a QB killer. And I've I been saw hearing that for a while. So you asked me what's wrong with TVD. I I want you to answer it first. Oh, because because I like him more. 
Yeah. Plus, I don't. I don't know you, how you, you can don't answer. know what's wrong with him. I, yeah. So go ahead. Let me let me see um, what you got, and I'll come up with some. <laughs> if I had, if I had to guess what was wrong with TVD, I'd probably put him into this two categories. One, I just think he think he's already a first round draft pick, and that's the problem. Like I think he feels based on what he did last year. He's already got it made. Mel Kiper already hit him up on social media and is like, hey, you're a top 20 prospect. And he's like, all right, cool. Like, I play at the U. They already say I'm going in the first round. Like, is he is he hungry anymore? Like, does he still have that dog in him? So that I do worry about. Because you see it with some of his comments. is getting kind of like Baker Mayfield-ish, talking about, you know, there's no home fan atmosphere, talking about, you know, um, I'm the best guy out there. I mean, you want your quarterback to be confident, but you know, also you got to have self-awareness to be like, all right, I can't say some of this shit because I've only played like five or six games. So I think that's one thing that's wrong with him. Second is I just don't think he's a good passer. And what I mean by that is you saw it in the AM game. To me, it really stood out when I was watching it. He's not looking to throw wide receivers open through windows. It's like, he's only throwing the guys if they're open and you know, like, that's not a good quarterback. Like you have to be able to be a good passer and you add that to the fact that one, he's not mobile and the decision-making that he's been doing has been off in the Gattis scheme so far. So I think the fact that he's not an anticipation passer and he's not mobile, I think that's why like when it goes off the rails for him, it stands out so much more because there's really nothing he can do about it. And I don't want to admit this because I'm a big TBD fan. I think he's talented, but it might be time to just say um, he might be looking like a guy that had a lucky stretch last year and maybe he's falling back to earth. And the fact that Mario, as of now, I don't think has named a starter for our next game tells me that Van Dyke has been doing this in practices in all offseason. And it was only a matter of time before the public saw it. Yeah, again, it, we we can take guesses. I mean, I don't think it's necessary. I'm not blaming Gaddis here. You know, I I'm a big supporter. Oh no 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 no. I wasn't bl- I wasn't. Oh blaming no no. Gattis. I know. No, I know. Just, no. I'm just don't think. I don't think I he's know. a. I don't think he's a good fit because in that system, like if you're not able to run, like you have to be able to make reads. Like it's. I don't think it's a. It's an offense that's gonna like lashy where everybody's just running wide open because it's just like air raid attack. Like this is. Well, a pro yeah. scheme. No, I'm not saying you were blaming Gaddis. What I'm saying is I think some of it has to do with the new offensive coordinator. And again, that's not blaming Gaddis. I'm just saying in general, anytime a new offensive coordinator comes in, it could be the, the greatest offensive coordinator, whoever you think the best offensive coordinator ever is can come in. And even maybe under Sean McVay, TVD would struggle a little bit. There's going to be some sort Mike, of an Mike, adjustment. Mike McDaniel would have TVD as a Heisman right now. That, that, that's that's the level See, of hype I, that he has. I'm not 100% sure. Like, look at what happened to USC last week, right? They struggled against Oregon State. They squeaked it out at the end. He's got Caleb Williams. He's got Jordan Addison. But Caleb but, Williams has hit the – he's looked like a Heisman candidate from week one. Like, Link, Lincoln Riley – But well, did they not struggle last because, week? Did because they not Caleb, struggle? Yeah, they did, but I mean, Caleb also played under Lincoln Riley, so I don't think USC is like a fair comparison. But yeah, I do think I do think certain schemes fit certain players, but I just I don't know. I don't think TVD is the type of quarterback where you well, know what, he's going to create things on his own. But what I'm saying is, 
there's always that adjustment, right? There's always that adjustment to a new offensive coordinator. And this is a college guy. This isn't the pro. So I think that's one thing. Two, I totally agree with you. I think he's done so much talking in the offseason. He's lost focus, JT. He was at ACC Media Day, and I remember watching it. They said, all right, there's like five really, really good quarterbacks in the ACC. Who do you think's the best one? And, you know, immediately said me. And I get you got to have confidence. But it's just the way he did it, like, it's oh, like, there's no it's, doubt. It's it like no like, self-awareness. Yeah, it was like the, he, the way he did it to me was he was disrespecting the other guys, too, saying – they can't even touch me. Instead and you can't, of saying, you're right. Point, right. You can't explain. You can't explain how that sounds, but right. you know what it sounds like when you it's, hear it. Exactly. And we want confident quarter. You you have to have a confident quarterback, but you can't have a cocky one. And I think he let some of that get to him. And listen, you can't tell me that doesn't affect you, knowing you're a top ten pick, what you did last year. But guess what? You got to do it moving forward. And the fact that Mario didn't put him back in at the end of the game when there was still a chance, and I thought the magic from Jake Garcia went away, I am a little concerned as far as TVD in the future, but I don't – as far as with the Canes this season, but I I can't pinpoint exactly except that he's missed some throws that I think last year he was making. I'm going to throw out one more uh, wild card theory, and – I could see this being true. Maybe what also you're seeing is some players just aren't going to be happy playing under Mario Cristobal because of the environment. And maybe TVD thrives in that loose, have fun environment. Now everything's kind of taken on like an authoritarian perspective with Cristobal, that military, like everything's got to be buttoned up. Maybe he's just not meant for that. And we'll see because I think, there's a lot of players that can't play under crystal ball, like which is why you got to give him time to go get his guys because those recruits know what they're signing up for. Whereas like TVD was already here. He's like Mario crystal ball is not going to adjust his approach to make TVD happy. So I would keep a close eye on that because if he transfers, I guarantee you that's what that's going to be the reason why he leaves. And TVD also knew that Mario couldn't get rid of him, even if he wasn't completely butted. Oh, yeah, they were stuck with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's you. All right. I, we, we don't got another question? I thought we had another Miami. <laughs> I felt this was You're obvious. messing up. You're messing want... up like TVD. No, no, I, I, I didn't want to talk about it, but because you don't think we can – you don't think we can rebound. That's why I was going to skip over this. But um, how can Miami bounce back? Tell us. Tell us it. Tell us in your group chat voice because I feel like you're being really calm on this right now. I wish I could show everybody the screenshots because Don has been it's been downright disrespectful the way you've been talking about Crystal Ball in the program. But in your in your wise not disrespectful, opinion, passionate, passionate, not disrespectful. It's, it's cool when they do it. It's a problem when I do it. How can Miami bounce back? I think beat UNC. They beat UNC, bro. It's on because I think UNC is a good team, a very good team. And I think at this point, the ACC is going to come down. The ACC Coastal is going to come down to three teams. Pitt, defending ACC champs. UNC, who maybe has turned it around this year. Not sure, but we'll see. And then Miami. So if Miami can beat UNC, 
which we have not done, I feel like, in a while that in a season that mattered. If we can do that, I think that spring springboards us because what do they always say? Winning cures everything, right? So winning can cure everything, right? And I think if they can come out beat UNC, if TVD starts, has a strong, like has an old school type game from last year, 300 yards and three touchdowns, and the defense doesn't give up like more than 30 points. You mean Corey Flagg comes down and actually makes a tackle? Then, then I think they're right back on track. I mean, listen, at the beginning of the year, if you were a Canes fan and you were thinking college football playoffs, I mean, come on, who are you fooling? But ACC championship game appearance, that was a possibility. And that still is. So it depends. Listen, this is the way I'm looking at it, JT. Yes, I was not happy after the game, but a couple days have gone by. And listen, we got to get back on there, get back, get back to work, as, as Mario says. We got to take care of business and get better. And if we can knock off UNC, that's one less tough opponent to worry about to try to get to the ACC title game. Because you know Pitt's going to be tough. You know Florida State's going to be tough. Virginia Tech is always tough for us. Heck, Virginia's always everybody, tough for Everybody us. remaining on the schedule is going to be tough for us. Like, it's going to be a dogfight. But, but this is the one game where – It can I get you going that, mentally, I think. Exactly, yep. Yeah, I agree with you. Just stay the course. We've shown improvement. I just think we had a bad misstep against Middle Tennessee State. And just continue to let Cristobal build the program. I think that's how we bounce back. Oh, so that that's it. That's Short it. That's it. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. What, what did hey. you say? Pump the brakes. That's that, that's that's really how we how we bounce back. Just All pump right. the brakes, relax, let the man do his thing. TVD, you gotta show up though, because hey man, we looking for you. You want a milk carton. All right, good. So Short speaking of short and sweet answers, let's go to quick hitters. All right, JT. So, first one is Jalen Hurts the next Josh Allen? I think so. They're they have a similar, you know, career trend. They both improved in their first three years across the board in every passing metric. Um, especially when people when they came out in the draft didn't think they would be really good NFL quarterbacks. Josh Allen, everybody was like, you know, he played poorly as last year at Wyoming. What's he going to do? He's not really a refined passer. Jalen Hurts lost his starting job at Bama. Like he went to Oklahoma. You know how they feel about Oklahoma quarterbacks. So I think they both answered those questions. And then I'm going to like the intangible things. Like teammates just seem to love them both. And you see, you know, they both have a career year. Now, Josh Allen had it already, but you see it kind of with Jalen Hurts developing. Like once you give guys like this an alpha wide receiver one, A.J. Brown with Jalen Hurts and then Stephon Diggs when he went to Josh Allen, like that is where you see them taking off. And I think that's what you're seeing from Jalen Hurts this year. And I just think Jalen Hurts is the sequel to the Josh Allen story, like a hardworking leader that has that dog in them and his teammates just love. And, you know, that translates to success on the field. You know, they do have some similar attributes and in their game can be similar and they can put up similar stats, but I think the problem why he's not the next Josh Allen, because that's not just a comparison. When we talk about Josh Allen, we talk about success, success on the field, getting that next big contract. I think there's two reasons why he is not the next Josh Allen. One, the Philadelphia fans. JT, they're an unforgiving fan base. Donovan McNabb suffered there, man. And 
This is different nowadays. We're in the age of social media, instant gratification. If he doesn't win this year with this team, he's going to hear the boo birds. And I don't know if he can handle it the way Donovan McNabb did. Two, maybe most important thing, he was not their first round pick. He's not the guy that they initially wanted to put all their eggs in one basket for the way Buffalo did with Josh Allen. So they put all these pieces around. They're not going to be patient. They're not going to be the Buffalo Bills that waited two and a half years for Josh Allen to come on the scene and explode and be an MVP caliber type of guy. If Hurts can't continue this success, he may not be the starting quarterback in Philly next season. And I'm, I'm, I'm on it. Like, I'm serious about that because there were rumors at the end of last year he might not be the guy. So, like, all right, let's go, let's go get him pieces. Okay. This is the way they expect him to play from here on out. And the thing is, he's never been able to continue, I shouldn't say continue, to sustain that sort of success individually and as a team in his college, like in his college career. Alabama, he couldn't do it. Oklahoma, he couldn't do it. He definitely had really good teams, and he had good seasons, even individually. But you look at the end of his Oklahoma days and the end of his Alabama days, did not go well. So I don't know if he can put a whole season together or multiple seasons together. Josh Allen, we're already seeing that. So individually, individually, you bring up a good point. They, They can be very similar, yes. But if we're talking next Josh Allen in terms of just that success and his career path, I, I would say the pump, the, pump the brakes. All right, cool. I mean, I will say this. I think you're right about the first round pick thing. Philly, I will say this. I disagree with you. I think the Philly fans love him, but that could change in an instant. But oh, also, I agree, with you. I agree with you. The Philly has, what, two first round picks next year? They're, they're setting themselves up in case this Jalen Hurst thing is, you know, a fluke. It, so I can see that. It, yeah, and that's uh, my point. Yep. Let's talk about something that's not a fluke. Lamar Jackson. You know, no show is complete without us bringing up my guy. We haven't talked about your Dolphins, but all right, we got to talk about. We don't we care. We got to talk about Tua we or Lamar care about every the Dolphins. episode. We only talk about Lamar Jackson. It's Tua or Lamar every episode from Lamar. here on out. It's Lamar all day. Okay. So okay. Should the Ravens just go ahead and extend Lamar Jackson right now? JT, at this point, I, at this point, they're better off now gambling on themselves that he regresses a little bit. So he doesn't demand $350 million guaranteed. Because if if Deshaun's getting two, what'd he get again? 235? Two, 250 guaranteed. Two. If Deshaun got 250, he still hasn't played a snap for Cleveland. And Lamar is doing this three games in, he should get $350 million guaranteed. So at this point, they're better off saying, you know what? We're gonna gamble on ourselves that we made a mistake. Let's just wait. Hey, if he does even better, we'll give you 400. At at this point, there's more of a chance that he could possibly – like, how much better can he get at this point? This is insane. What's regression to you, throwing three touchdowns instead of five? (laughs) I don't know, but that's my whole point. How much better can he get instead of throwing for three – instead of throwing for three and running for one and having 100 yards rushing, maybe it's like 80 yards rushing, one rushing, and two – two pass, two touchdown passes. So that way 
maybe you get him back to 300 million instead of 350. Like at this point, it's just insane. And I think Baltimore doesn't know what to do. Before I, before I answer my question, it's, I'm not, you're not saying this at all, but it's, it's interesting that you're saying that because I do think that's what Baltimore is saying, except to themselves. It's like, let's bet that he gets hurt. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And like, because this is but just no, you should never way. want that. If you want him to be your franchise, you do. If you're not sure about somebody and that helps you not be the bad guy in the media decision easier. Yeah, exactly. But should they extend him right now? Absolutely. You know, what how much should does, they give him guaranteed? That's the question. Whatever the hell his mama asked for is what they should give him. And what else does Lamar Jackson have to prove before you are convinced that he is your franchise quarterback? Like, if this were Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert in this situation on that team, they would already have a deal by now. So I'm going to say this again. They should have extended him after his MVP season. And now they're going to find out that yesterday's price is not today's price. And guess what? Every week that he plays out of his mind, that price goes up. So today's price might be $350 million. At this pace, by the time Lamar is done with the season, he's going to get him a Holmes deal fully guaranteed. That's how much he's going to be worth. So, Ravens, if you don't want to lose a bunch of money, just go to that man, go to his mom, ask him what they want, give him a blank check, and get this over with. I mean, scary yeah, money I, don't make no money. I, I guess. Next question. I, I guess it. <laughs> Next question. What, what can Let, you say? That boy came out guns blazing. Oh, he is I, unreal. Absolutely. Unreal. But, but but I think now what they're banking is, you know what? He we gets missed hurt. our chance to sign. He no, gets forget hurt. the hurt that, part. No, I'm saying, but that, but that's really what they're doing. They, no, that's that's what but, they've been doing from the beginning. No, the reason why they didn't want to go into this season was they knew what they knew they were going to have to extend him, but they weren't sure that old thinking in the back of your mind. He runs a lot. Can he survive? Oh, I'll know. We'll see if he can survive. They're just going to say like, can he survive another season? Can he survive another season? And the first time he gets hurt, it's like, see, we told you he couldn't survive. That's why we didn't extend him. I know what this is. This is bullshit. Pay that man. Yeah, Superstar. I mean they they should have. I think again, quick, quick. you should have made this a topic. You, you, I said, move on. To you the went next forever. One. You went Lamar forever. Is, I can't. Lamar, I can't rebut. Pay him what he I, wants. Move on. I agree. What I'm saying is Baltimore right now is saying we messed up. Let's see if he comes somewhat back down to earth, so we don't got to pay him 500 million guaranteed. Right? I mean that's that's probably what they're hoping. Too late. Y'all gonna want that 500 million guarantee? I know. I agree. All right, so Aaron Judge on Wednesday night hit his 61st homer, which ties Roger Maris's record, as well as ties the American League record for home runs in a season. So JT, he's not done yet. Is he having the greatest MVP run in MLB history? I don't want to admit it, but it might be. Admit just it might be. You know, like he he already got Maris and like you said, he's not done. So he's going to have the AL home run record and he's going to get the trip crown in the same season. So that's crazy. And just think about how important he is to the Yankees. Like, are they even a wild card team without him? I say no. And you brought up Roger Maris. Like Bay Ruth is on that list, too, of guys that he's passed, like all while all while doing the Lamar Jackson thing betting on himself for his next deal. Like, you want to talk about pressure, create divers? 
this dude made a freaking a mine. Like he is iced <laughs> now, out, Donovan. And now he that's put how, pressure on the Yankees. That's how. That's how much. That's what he thinks of pressure. He's just like, you know what? I'm just gonna be iced out. Like, yeah, it's the greatest MVP run in baseball history. I'm I'm coming around on that. So. I've come around on it too. When when you first presented this question, oh my goodness, another JT question. But and, it's and actually, then you realize, like usual, there's method to my madness. But no, no, no. I, I realize it's it's one of the few times it's a legit question because JT, go back to 2001, Barry Bonds. We know what he did: 73 homers, 137 RBIs, 328 batting average, with 129 runs and an OPS of 1.379. Now, what do we all know about Barry Bonds, right? We know that he was aided, right? He was aided in a certain way in those numbers, okay? So you go look at Judge. He is having by far similar numbers and probably the best numbers we have seen in the past 15 or 20 years, um, basically – putting up steroid era numbers without the aid of the steroids, okay, or HGH, whatever you want to call it. And that's Aaron Judge. Because if you go and look, he's at a current war of 11. Barry Bonds in 01 was 12.1 war. Babe Ruth in, what they say, 1923, 12.1 war. He's third on that list. But again, Doing it in the era where the pitchers are better and the batters are smaller (laughs) without the aid, without the aid of steroids. All right. And I mean, you look at the rest of his numbers 314, OPS of 1.117. Again, Bonds' numbers, yes, are higher. But again, you got to remember that Aaron Judge did not have any help. He did not have the aid of head circumference. I get you. All right. So we both agree. Aaron Judge, greatest MVP run season ever. I would say so. And you got to remember, he struggled the past week, I think, because of the pressure. Right. And he still has another week. So, yeah. I think, well, he went like five straight games without hitting the homer, right? I Which is crazy he, to think about. I, like a lot of people do that. <laughs> yeah. I think even more. I think even yeah. more. So. All right, so let's talk about NFL Pro Bowl major changes. They're getting rid of the game, and they're replacing it with basically a skills competition. And a flag football event. And a flag football event. So I know his answer. Do you like the change in the Pro Bowl format? Finally, I've been saying this. Been saying it for like five to ten years now. Of course, this is great. We're going to be able to see this. Every, you know, the linemen can still be nominated to the Pro Bowl. They get that designation. Um, it'll help them with contract negotiations and any incentives and the skill guys, JT, we get to see them play without being worried about getting lit up across the middle. Like this is the best of both worlds now, because I think it's going to listen, guys are competitive in terms of NFL level, right? I think any sports person, male, female, doesn't matter. They're competitive. These guys in the NFL are just as competitive as anybody. But I think come the Pro Bowl, you don't get to see it as much because it is more of, hey, I won't injure you. You don't injure me. I won't cut you. You don't cut me. Hey, I come across the middle. Don't be going head hunting or it's that LeBron, or knee, it's the LeBron effect. <laughs> or knee hunting, right? Like 
wrap me up and I'll go down. I won't make you look bad either by, by, you know, juking you and in, in going to the, to the house. Like you tried to do in that flag football game. Oh, speaking of flag football. Now these guys are going to be like, you know what? I can't get hit. I'm going up against, you know, whoever that corner may be, pick whatever corner you want. And we're going to compete. Like seven on seven game is on. Yeah. Seven on seven. Like, now I think that competitive juice is back. It is going to be a lot of fun. Like, it's going to be a lot. Like, guys are going to laugh and joke. But, JT, when it comes down to those moments, they're going to want to win. Yeah, I agree for everything you said. It keeps guys healthy. And oddly, it makes it more competitive because, yeah. like, for reasons you said, those guys are always going to chirp. And this is something that we've always wanted to see. Like, we want to see guys race to see who's the fastest. We want to see guys do skills challenge. Like, it's really what makes the NBA All-Star game and the weekend, like, so exciting is that particular aspect. The same thing with baseball. Like, we want to see guys go hit 50 home runs in a home run derby. Like, this is what we want to see. So, this is a great change. Keeps the players healthy, but also oddly makes them more engaged, which is better for the fans. All right, last one that's a quick. That's quick. Um, Eric Bieniemy again comes up. I think he got into an argument with Patrick Mahomes very publicly on the sideline uh, this past weekend against the Colts. Prompted your boy, Pittsburgh legend, Shady McCoy, to once again chirping on Bieniemy, basically saying this is why he doesn't have a head coaching job because he doesn't know how to call plays and he doesn't know how to communicate with players. All he does is basically yell at them. Uh, are you starting to buy into this? Shady McCoy narrative that this is why Bienemy is not getting a head coaching job because players do not like him. Listen, Shady McCoy, Shady's being salty. Shady is being salty. Like he did not. Okay. Listen, it's the heat of the moment. It's the NFL. It's a game they lost. They lost the game they should have won. Guys are always gonna, you know, be like upset when that happens right and i think that he is salty because of how it went down in kansas city he didn't play in that super bowl jt they won without him that was a coach's decision not to play him in the super bowl to dress him in the super bowl the guys waited his whole career great career to play in it and he didn't get to go in so i think any chance he gets to take kind of that dig at the enemy he's going to take because he didn't like how it ended up in Kansas City for him. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. I, I love the enemy because I think he obviously is a good coach, but I'm going to actually start buying into some of what Shady is saying. I do think in an era where coaches are having to be more of a player's coach and that old authoritative Bill Belichick figure is maybe going to the background I think maybe this could be a reason. I don't think it's the main reason, obviously, but it could be a small reason why he's not getting hired. You look at past couple of years, Mahomes just had a bullet with him on the sideline. Travis Kelsey on a Sunday night game, I believe, shoved him like during the game on the sideline. And I was like, I've never seen a position coach, much less an offensive coordinator, since Todd Haley really get into it with the players on the sideline like during the game. So... Maybe there's some truth to what Shady is saying. Like, he just doesn't know how to talk to people. But I will say this. I think what Shady is probably saying is he just doesn't kiss the ass of star players, which if that's the case, then I'm okay with that because 
that's what coaching that's the coaching that I know is like, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, tough on your players and you're supposed to treat everyone the same to an extent. So it, it could be, you know, people not giving them a job because of that, but I don't think it's the main reason. Fair enough. You know, our favorite segment weekend predictions, but you know what? You always saying I'm missing games. So you you do it. You do it. All right. I'm I'm sick of it. You do it. All right, cool. So we'll do we'll start off with college. Uh Kentucky at Ole Miss. Who you got? I'm gonna go Ole Miss. All right. I'm gonna go Kentucky because everyone is hyping up Will Levis. Uh oh, big game. Wake Forest at FSU. Pick with your brain, not your heart. I'm going with my heart. Wake Forest. I got Wake Forest too. They showed me something in that Clemson game last week. Uh, Should have won that game. <laughs> Another big game for Clemson on the slate. NC State at Clemson. Sneaky, 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 great game of the week. Maybe the game of the week. I go in Clemson. Yeah, I'm going Clemson. DJ showed me something this year. Uh, Alabama at Arkansas. You know what? There's always a game in the season where Bama struggles. Yeah, it's it was at Texas. Arkansas. <laughs> at Arkansas. Arkansas coming off a loss they should have had. I'm going Arkansas. Um, everything tells me to pick Arkansas because this is the type of quarterback they would struggle with. But I think they already had their scare against Texas. I'm going Bama. All right, so we got the college wrapped up. NFL. My Jags at the Eagles. You know what? Just because I can, I can never go with your Jaguars. Philly. Yeah, I'm going Philly. I just think Jalen Hurts is on the MVP tear. He is the next Josh Allen. Uh, ooh, great game. Bills at the Ravens. Ooh, this is a tough one. I'm going to go Bills. I'm going to go Ravens. Lamar, he want all the money. He's going to show out in this game. He saw what the Dolphins just did. He's like, all right, I could do better. Uh, Chiefs at Bucks, And this is interesting because this game, because of the hurricane, could be moved to Minnesota. So it, it could end Ooh. up not being a home game for either of these teams. So in a dome, neutral site. Chiefs at Bucks. Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, be enemy. We'll see them call some great plays. Uh, can't believe you didn't pick this game. Thursday night. Dolphins oh, at the Bengals. You love the Thursday nights. They're, they're not good. They're not this good. This is a good game. This should be a primetime game. Dolphins at the Bengals. Listen. Take the Bengals. All right. This is the Dolphins are setting us up for failure on the road, coming off two big wins. They're not going to be able to do it three games in a row. Come on. I'm going with the Dolphins as much as I want to buy into that narrative. Bengals just haven't looked good, man. So I'm going with the Fens so people can't say I'm a hater. This is the one game I can't believe you didn't put on this on this list. Like you should be fired from making this list. The Niners at the Rams. What are you doing? The Niners. The Niners. What are you talking about? They just lost. Aren't Niners they one the and Rams. two? Aren't this they is one a, and two? This is a huge rivalry What's the game? Niners record? Do I care? It's a rivalry game. It doesn't. Yeah, you should They ain't 0-3. Oh just because it's a rivalry. <laughs> Green Bay just in answer Chicago. The question. Just answer Green the question. Green Bay in Chicago is a rivalry. Answer the we question instead of trying to defend yourself. Just answer the question. 49ers at What's Rams. What's the game again? Niners at Rams. I'm going to take the Rams because of McVay. I'm taking the Rams, too, because you look like them. Um, two more college games you missed. Uh, really, really good game. I want to see if I can get it up here. Oklahoma State at Baylor. 
All right, that's a decent one. I thought about it, but you know, to make weekend predictions, it's got to be A plus. I need more plus. content to post. It's got to be. It's got to be A plus. What's the game again? Uh, Oklahoma State at Baylor. It's at Baylor. Mm-hmm. I'm going Baylor Bears. Going Baylor as well. This is the last one, and I'm only putting it on there because I hate this team. Texas A&M at Mississippi State. I think this game will be really fun to watch. Which one do you hate? It's obvious which ones I hate. A&M? Of course. Because of Jimbo? Well, I hate them because of Jimbo. I hate them because we lost to them, and I hate them because they stole Shamar Stewart, and he should be a cane. Yeah, he's balling. We're in number four. This is a tough one. I'm going to go A&M. All right, cool. I'm going to go Mississippi State. See how easy that was to do weekend predictions? He missed all these great games. The people are listening to us to know what to watch, and you're giving them like three What's games. What's our records? See, uh, We'll, add, them, we'll records. add them up, and what I'll do is we'll add up our, our uh, records, and I'll start posting them as I post these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know you far behind. <laughs> I got a lot of room to make up. One, two. Wait. How many? One, two, three, four. Five. We got five different picks here, so I can make up five games this week. Here we go. See, I'm, I'm don't ever say I'm not your friend. I'm giving you a Man, chance. You to took all easy. the easy roads out. You took, you took, um, you took Alabama. You took Kentucky. Come on now, you took all the easy roads out. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens. All right. Is that enough? Are we That's done? Enough. No more more weekend predictions. I'm satisfied. We can we can end the show. Thank goodness. Let's end the show for everyone's sake. As always, thank you for listening to us. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. Please also, you can follow us on social media, our handle JT and the Don. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. So JT, a lot of fun as always. Give me another W. I won again. So, but great episode, JT. And until the next episode, see ya. Peace.